Um, so we're in a like a super small, just a two-week uh, in-between series. I was trying to remember how we picked this series, and I, I, it, it came back to me. We were finishing up the last series. Next week, our Christmas series starts called The King is Coming, um, and I think you will enjoy that. We've been gathering material for that. We're excited for that. It's one of our favorite times of the year. Do you enjoy the decorations out there in the foyer already, Chris and um, a lot of the team was together and getting that done, and it looks really, really beautiful. But we had this two weeks at Thanksgiving, and we knew it's kind of one of those, it's really one of my favorite holidays, to be honest with you. I love the leftovers afterwards. So that's truly, man, I love the leftovers. And I love Thanksgiving. It's been one of our favorites. Chris and I had five children, then our five children multiplied, and all of a sudden we have a weather system around us. And um, so literally 13 grandchildren, five children, uh, four of the five are married, uh, bring my mom into it, bring my father-in-law into it. I mean, it's a big number of people that we end up with Thanksgiving. And so I've always enjoyed that. And this year was quite different, man. We only had one of our grandkids uh, who were there. I'll, I'll get into that in just a minute. Uh, my mom made it towards the very end of it um, for a piece of pie. Um, always make it for a piece of pie. That's what you should always uh, make it for. But it was just one of those crazy, crazy ones. And um, I know when we come into a series like this, it Thanksgiving is, Jake mentioned, you know, are you still in Turkey? What did you call it? Turkey? Coma. Turkey coma. Um, you know, I know when you have a holiday like that and you jump back into the weekend, it, is, it does, doesn't it feel like it's just kind of hard to get going again? I don't know what that is about it. So I want to tell you what I did with this. My message is a little, um, I, I was going to say tongue in cheek. I don't ever preach where it's not serious and where I'm not teaching. I mean, my job is to instruct in the word and I take it serious. It's called the high call for a reason. But I do think that God has a great sense of humor. And I think if you read the Bible to look for certain things, you can find them. So let me give you my premise today. Did Jesus ever have meals with his family where they had problems? I can find two in the Bible, believe it or not, where it turned out kind of funny. And I bet if you think about it, you can think what they are. But I'm going to kind of give an analogy a little bit about how it is Thanksgiving for us and for some of our families and maybe how Jesus did it. And then is there anything to be learned from that? But let me do this uh, to begin with. Uh, one of my favorite um, painters is Norman Rockwell. I like, uh, I like the Americana. Um, the accusation is that he didn't paint America as it was. He painted it as it, he wanted it to be. And that may be true. It may not be true. It may have been the one that he saw. The point today for me is simply this. I enjoy what I see that he painted for the most part. And in particular, uh, right after the bombing of Pearl Harbor, uh, FDR sits down and does one of his fireside chats on the radio. And if you have not been taught that in history, I'm sorry about that. I wish that you were taught about that. I wish you knew about the history of the country better than um, what you've been untaught about the history of the country. But the country came together in a very powerful way. And one of the ways that FDR held the country together was that weekly he would do a fireside chat. And everybody would tune in to listen to him, bringing encouragement to a country that didn't know if it was going to make it through what had just happened. And one of the things that Franklin did was to talk about the four freedoms, uh, freedom of religion, 
uh, freedom of speech, freedom from want, from hunger, right? Remember the fourth one, anybody? Do you know who Franklin Roosevelt was? (laughs) And freedom of speech. Those were the four freedoms. Um, You know these paintings. You have seen them in your lifetime. I'll guarantee you uh, they were part of public works at the time when he was trying to put people back to work. So they put them in murals in different places. Uh, This one got tagged with Thanksgiving because uh, he painted a turkey in it, but it was actually painted at Christmas time. It just ended up being attached to Thanksgiving. So have you ever seen this painting right here? That's called freedom from want. The idea that all people, not just Americans, but all people want to be free from the want of hunger. We all want to be able to have food at nighttime and not be hungry. Agreed with that statement right there. Okay, so it's a beautiful painting. But then um, the knock that he gets is he painted the America that he saw. It may not have been America Uh, as it really was, but the way that he saw it, because you'll notice that there are no faces of color in there. Right? They're they're missing from that particular picture right there. And so there are some, I, I get that, there's some understandings, but it's still, it's a dream of a better America. And I appreciate that and I enjoy that. But how many of you know that that, I think if we tell the truth, the reason we know that's not really what Thanksgiving looks like Can any of you say that's how your Thanksgiving looked this time? If you can, please raise your hand and I want you to tell me. uh, And do you have a picture that you can prove it? I bet you cannot. Okay, so uh, you have to have a little bit. I'm going to move you forward now. This is for some older folks that are in our church. Some younger folks, they, they do parodies of this painting called Freedom from Want. So here's one by the Simpsons. Here's their take on what it looks like at Thanksgiving. Did yours look more like that one right there? Everybody going crazy. Grandpa is asleep in his food. Bart's throwing. Homer's already eating before Marge can get it on the table. I forget the sister's uh, name. Um, but it just is crazy, and they take that idea. Now, I, I don't think usually that's probably too accurate either. Um, and so then there's one more that I want to show you. There was a show, Modern Family. It's not on anymore, but super popular. And it's not a defensive modern family. It's not a, hey, you should watch the show or you shouldn't watch the show. It's just simply this. There was one of the kids did a project of um, the freedom from want and used her family um, to, to kind of model the picture. But it shows what's going on right up until they take the picture. And it's kind of funny. And I thought I would show it. My art teacher acts like I don't exist. But I have one last chance to impress him at our year end art fair. A few students are doing living versions of famous paintings. I've chosen this one, and I'm using my own family. Brilliant, right? Oh, there you are. I was afraid you weren't coming. It was a discussion. If we weren't going to show up, we would have clearly let you know and not humiliated you in public. If it's any consolation, the lawyer we hired to replace you was already suing the elevator company. Ow, you're sitting on my hand. Be thankful you have two. I almost lost one today. Oh, stop being such a baby. She was nowhere near that switch. Shh, keep your voices down. We're about to go on. Why are you looking at me? Am I too loud? Is that what everybody thinks? What? There's a backstory here you don't want to know about. I want turkey. Save your appetite, baby girl. And don't forget, afterwards, we're going to Lenny's for a bite to eat. More than a bite if you value my feelings. Oh, great. We get to see Maxine. What? You know Maxine, too? Oh, we all know Maxine. Love. Second best hugger in the world after Mr. Burt Reynolds. Mm -hmm. Story to follow. Guys, this will all be over in 90 seconds. Hold your poses. I really want to impress Mr. Gorgeous. 
Travis, shut up. Hey, Mitch, I know this isn't a good time. I, I just want you to know I'm really... I know, Phil, you're really sorry, okay? But this is going to take me a little time to get over, all right? Actually, I was going to say I'm really going to need your parking pass. What? Our next stage presentation will be Alex Dumphy's interpretation of Norman Rockwell's 1943 painting, Freedom from Want. How do you sleep at night, Luke? With a medal around my neck. Shh, I want turkey. Oh, wait, no. She doesn't understand that word. Cram it, Claire. Control your child, Cam. It's not that difficult. I've raised three. Really? Cam. Why don't you ask Kaylee what time she got home last night? Uncle Cam. Sorry, dear. Collateral damage. What is he talking about? Shh. Your arms are shaking. Oh, yeah. I'm sure that's a great machine. Come do a better job. You can criticize my parenting all you like, Cam, but my son just won a medal. For a fire he started. Luke, is that true? Ow! How long it's getting heavy? You're not getting that parking pass back. I tried to let you down easy. You don't know how to talk to people, Phil. It's just like when Claire didn't even know you dumped her. What? When did Dad dump you? I didn't dump her, I just tried to. I am losing it! Just a few more seconds! I want turkey. Lily, no! no! <laughs> the only reason I picked that and I show that to you, we see the original picture and it's just this perfect setting of what we think Thanksgiving should look like. And the truth of the matter is, I don't think any family in this place, regardless of how qualified you feel, really can live up to what that picture is. Somewhere inside of it, there's a lot of crazy makers that make up families, yes? So my question is, did Jesus have any crazy makers in his family gatherings? And I found one, in fact, I found two, but one with his family in particular. I'm gonna read you the story, I bet you know it, but if you will let me just use your imagination for a minute to point out what's being said and why it's being said, I think I can prove to you that there was a little bit of some crazy making and what you could do about it. Luke chapter two, verses 41 through 52. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. Now, let me just teach this real quickly. Um, Jesus lived in Nazareth at this time, and so from Nazareth to Jerusalem is somewhere between, depending on how fast everybody walked and what the donkeys did, three to four days. So this is not an easy journey, right? And there were three times a year that Jewish people had to go to Jerusalem for the feast. They had to go for Passover, they had to go for Pentecost, and they had to go for Tabernacles. Those are the three times a year, wherever you lived in Israel, you had to travel with your family to Jerusalem. So they're all supposed to travel from their village in Nazareth to Jerusalem. They travel as family. They travel as friends for safety. Uh, you could imagine that it's a long donkey train, probably half a mile, three quarters of a mile long. Friends and family, people riding, talking, walking. They're making the most of the journey like you would if you were doing the same thing. So it takes approximately three to four days to get there. And then they're celebrating the feast of Passover. Now, we do that here. And I'll do it from the stage to lead people through what a Passover is to try to connect you to the Jewish identity that we find inside of the Old Testament and our Bible. Jesus was Jewish. And if you can understand the gospel through at least Jewish eyes, it'll make more sense to you about why they do certain things. So when we do a Passover meal, it takes us two hours, maybe three hours with the meal. Do you know how long it took a Jewish family going to a Passover meal, how long they stayed? Seven days. Could you imagine staying with your family seven days at a Thanksgiving feast? What is Passover? It's being thankful to the Lord for him rescuing them 
under the hand of the Egyptians. They literally had their own Thanksgiving feast. It lasted eight days. So get this, it took three to four days to get there. It lasted eight days, and then how many days to get back home? You add it up very quickly, you have a two-week event. Do you think there might be a few crazy makers in a two-week event while you're traveling and eating do you think Uncle Ahmed told the same old stories that he told last year? Do you think that somebody had a little too much wine, maybe? Look, people look at me last night when I said this, like, this is sacrilege. Let me tell you something. Jesus was perfect. Every other person who ever lived is a sinner. Thank you, you this side. Jesus was perfect. Every other person who ever lived, including Jesus' relatives, were sinners. They blew it. They made mistakes. They said bad words. They stole. They drank too much. They ate too much. They gossiped. Jesus had problems right off the bat. Do you remember his stepfather, Joseph, when the angel Gabriel told Mary, behold, you are going to have the son of God, and she shared it with her betrothed. He was going to be nice and put her away because he thought, first of all, this doesn't happen. Come on. You're crazy, and I'm not going to be the father to this child. So he's got a problem right there. How about when he's revealed as the son of God the very first time in the synagogue when he reads the gospel, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the good news. The Bible says that everybody in the synagogue at first was like, this is awesome. This is being fulfilled in our time. And then they got jealous. Who does this guy think he is? He grew up right here with us. His brothers and his sisters are standing here. And the implication is his brothers and sisters were offended because they thought, who does this Jesus think he is too? His brother James, who became a disciple and actually was a martyr in the church, actually opposed Jesus until he was converted. Jesus had family problems. So he goes to this feast that lasts a week there, a few days coming and a few days going. And then we read this crazy story. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. When Jesus was 12 years old, they attended the festival as usual. This is their custom. After the celebration was over, they started home to Nazareth, but Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. Do you know that the setting for... What's my show, Jake, that I said last night with the kid? Home Alone, thank you. Terry, very good. Home Alone, they stole from the Bible. Because if you remember, where's Kevin? He got left behind. Where's Jesus? He got left behind. And you know what's most interesting? Where did Jesus get lost? At church. Isn't that funny? That Jesus can get lost at church. I wonder how many churches don't know where Jesus is today. Ooh. If you got one of our door hangers and you're here this morning, I'm always this ornery. So welcome <laughs> to Jubilee. <laughs> His parents didn't miss him at first. Jesus got family problems. Yes or no? Has this ever happened to you? You ever pulled away from a gas station? Mom, my mom is sitting right here on the front row and said to me, why don't you tell some funny stories from when you were a kid? And I thought, because it usually hurts your feelings and makes you mad. Because you don't want to, we want to be like the Norman Rockwell picture. But the truth is that when I was a little boy, two of the things that scarred me and made me the way I am today 
We had gone on a family vacation. I went to the bathroom in the gas station, come out, and nobody's there. They had left me. We didn't have a big family. There weren't 40 of us. There were four of us. At that time, eventually five, but four of us. Where's John? I don't know. In fact, nobody said, where's John? Dude, I'm standing in front of the gas station like, what am I going to do? It was like 10 minutes. They turn around, come back like, like, oh, we jump in. What do you do with that? You know, where does that go? Deep in your heart. And it comes back when you're preaching, when you're almost 60 years old. And then the other one, I was playing football. Yeah, yeah. Did you or did you not say, tell stories from your childhood? I said, that is a great idea. So I was about 12 years old and football practice got over, 11 years old, somewhere that, uh, you know, football's in the wintertime, so it gets darker early. And so, uh, you know, parents kind of pick kids up after practice. So now here's the difference. Parents go to practice. Parents want to coach the practice. Parents want to make sure that their son plays and the coach knows that they're there. But in my day, what they did was, dude, they dropped you off for hours. We'll see ya. Okay. So I'd go play practice and then they come pick you up afterwards. Right? So pick up, pick up, pick up. It's like the gas station. I'm, I'm like the only kid left and it's dark and I'm dressed in my football uniform. So I start crying. I'm just crying away, crying away. And there's a church that's having a service. So it must've been like a Wednesday night. And I walk over to the church because I figure if I cry loud enough, somebody in the church will come out and help me. And they did. Son, what's wrong? My parents have left me. They left, they just left me. And right then my mom came and got me. And the truth is my mother has apologized to me for that over and over and over again. So let me just, let me do this for my mom. How many parents in this room have forgotten a kid someplace, sometime? Yeah, look around, mom, look around. Look around, look around, you're normal. That's what it makes you, quite normal. <laughs> so when you look at this story, you think to yourself, how could this happen? Because <laughs> this happens. So his parents didn't miss him at first because they assumed he was amongst the other travelers. But when he didn't show up that evening, they started looking for him among their relatives and friends. And when they couldn't find him, can you see the panic beginning to set in now? I mean, these are real parents, right? We read these stories so sanitized and we read them Bible, but we don't read them as though these are real people experiencing real emotions. And they're in a panic. Where's my son? What's happened to my son? Is somebody kidnapped my son? Has somebody harmed my son? Do you not think that nefarious things went on 2,000 years ago too? So they're in a panic. Where's our son? Where's our son? We've been looking for him. They go to this relative. They go to this friend. I, and this thing might be a mile long that they've had to go up and down and asking, where is he? Where is he? Is, did we stop someplace? So when he didn't show up that evening, they started looking for him amongst the relatives and friends. When they couldn't find him, they went back to Jerusalem to search for him there. Three days later, how many? What happens to a parent in that length of time? Worry? Fear? Anger? I remember, this was back when you could spank. They don't do this anymore, but when you could spank. I remember I, we lived in New Orleans, and the, the lakefront 
to Lake Pontchartrain has stairs to go straight down in the water. So my dad pulls up in the station wagon, pops that in. While he's unloading everything out of the back, I run straight down the stairs, jump right in the water, thinking it's probably that deep, but it's about 20 feet deep. So I go straight down under the water, and I come up, and it's a real rough day, so the waves are slapping me against the stairs, and the stairs have seaweed all over them. So I'm trying to grab the stairs, but they're slick, and I can't get a grip on the stairs. So can you picture real quick how it is? So it's slapping me up and pulling me back, slapping me up and pulling me back. And in the meantime, I'm trying to yell, and every time I yell, I take water in my lungs. It's a panic move is what it is. So I go down, and I'd been slapped up three or four times, and the only thing above the waterline anymore was I was trying to keep my hand up. And all of a sudden, this great big hand grabs mine, lifts me straight up, and looks at me eyeball to eyeball. (laughs) And it's my dad. And my dad is crying and then he spanked me. <laughs> How does a dad go from... <laughs> and the ones who were laughing had dads. You grew up at a certain time. Yes or no, right? He spanked me because he... Lo- I'll tell you this, I never did it twice. <laughs> never did it twice. So these parents are freaking out at this point is all I'm trying to say. And then look at the funny reaction. So three days later, they finally discovered him in the temple, sitting amongst the religious teachers, listening to them and asking questions. I mean, this was a weird scenario. Is not where they expected to find him. All who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. His parents didn't know what to think. Son, his mother said to him, why have you done this to us? Not, where did you get this wisdom? How is it that you are teaching the people who are teachers? Not, do you remember her? Path crossed with an angel named Gabriel 12 years prior to this who told her. Wouldn't you think that that thought would cross her mind? But this is a mama. Not necessarily the mother of God. Does that make sense? Your father and I have been frantic, searching for you everywhere. And then Jesus' question, why did you need to search, he asked. (laughs) Didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? But they didn't understand what he meant. (laughs) Then he returned to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. And his mother stored all these things in her heart. Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and all people. So Jesus has what I think can be described in some ways as similar to a modern Thanksgiving. They travel a long way to eat a meal with friends and relatives. During that time, some strange things can happen. And people can be upset And so I'd like to show you real quickly how Jesus puts the fire out. Instead of arguing with his parents, instead of justifying himself, instead of having to prove why he was right, instead of reminding his mom about the experience that she had 12 years before that, Jesus just simply said, hey, why were you searching for me? In other words, I didn't realize that you would be. Don't you remember why I was born is what he was saying? He's not arguing with them. He's trying to put the fire out. But the most important thing, instead of Jesus doing anything to throw gas on the fire, the Bible says that he was obedient to them. He got up. He left. He never did it again. And the Bible says, listen to this, 
He grew in favor with God and man. Do you want to know the two places you need to grow in favor in your life to be successful? Not simply with God, but also with men. God loves you, but if people don't, you have a trouble in this life. Did you hear what I say? And you can have people who love you, but if you don't know God's love, it makes eternity different. You need God's love and you need people's love. You need both favor on your life. How do you get that? According to this, it's obedience. And can I say you're never too old to be an obedient person? <laughs> My mom told me today, look, I need, to, I need to come back and patch up something that I did just now. I know I didn't wound you. But my mom told me going in, I'm going to write a book called Good Son, and it's going to be about you. I hope you really do feel that way. So I try to be a good son to you. Let me give you one more family meal. Now, this wasn't his family. It was his best friend's family. But Jesus happened to be there, and there's a squabble that goes on. And so I just thought I would throw it in so that maybe if this happened to you this weekend, you don't feel like, how come our family can't look like the ideal? Neither did Jesus' family. Only Jesus was perfect. This one is Luke 10, 38 through 42. Uh, as Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha... These happened to be three good friends of Jesus, Mary, Martha, and they had a brother named? Yes, half of you got that. That's good. The answer is Lazarus. Mary, Martha, and? What a good teacher you have. So they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet. Let me ask this question real quickly. Which one of these two sisters is the oldest? Which one? Martha. Martha. I heard somebody say Mary. Why do you think Martha's the oldest? What'd you say? It's her home. That is the correct answer. Uh, she was old enough. The first would have had her own home. So that's her, her thing right there, the way that we know. She comes first in the story and... She had her own home. It's her home. So uh, as Jesus and the disciples, the reason the birth order is important here is I'm going to show you something interesting in the way that these children act with each other, the two sisters and the brother. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught, but Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. What is Martha. Martha is, listen, responsible. <laughs> she is responsible. It's important that people eat. If you're going to have a party at your house, you have to offer stuff to people. You don't have them come in and be like, who brought the food? <laughs> She's a responsible person. She gets knocked for not doing what Mary did. But the reason Mary could do what she did is because Martha did what she did. Now, Jesus pulls out which is the best thing to do, right? But I got a couple things to say about this because I bet you had a Thanksgiving similar to this right here. So she came to Jesus and said, Lord, Martha, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you? You know, when we're mad at somebody, we want to get other people to be mad at them too, don't we? 
So like, let's gang up and hate this person together. It'll be fun. So, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. That's a responsible person. Usually a firstborn. Firstborns. Hold your hand up, firstborns. I'm a firstborn. Let me tell you about firstborns. Firstborns, the reason you can lay your head and sleep is because we take care of everything at nighttime. Firstborn, yes. It's just in us. There's just something to the order of being a firstborn. Maybe it's because you took care of the other kids. Maybe it's because your parents had to make you perfect. (laughs) And then Jesus says this, there is only one thing worth being concerned about, and Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. So Jesus is telling her, listen, I'm not condemning you, but I'm telling you, your sister's chosen the important thing here. The most important is not the meal. The most important is the meal that I'm serving. So I wrote down, here's three helpful ideas from Pastor John that you can reject, accept. You can say, I don't think it says that. I don't think it needs to say that. Uh, Let me just, this is just my picture Uh, I would say first that in 2,000 years, little has changed at family meals. (laughs) First of all, give to God what is most important, and the most important thing you can give to God is you. It's not what you can do for God. Look at me. It's not what you can do for God. You are minted in the image of God. Give to God what belongs to God. You are minted in the image of God. You're made in the image of God. You belong to God. The first thing that you give is you to the Lord. Here's the second thing. If you didn't help prepare the meal, why don't you get up and clean the dishes? (laughs) Secondborns. No, I don't think that's in the Bible. And maybe it would make your family better. How about that? (laughs) Now, here's my third and final point that I'm extrapolating. Mary and Martha are sisters, and they have a brother named. And you remember a little bit later, Lazarus dies. Jesus waits three days. Lazarus is in the tomb three days. And when he finally gets there, Martha, not Mary, Martha says, Lord, if you had been here, He would be alive, but even now I know if you will speak it. So now we have not Martha the responsible, but Martha the woman who has a gift of faith. And Jesus calls Lazarus out of the tomb, away from the grave, back to life. Okay, powerful story, but that's not this story. This story, they're having dinner. So we know that Mary's making, uh, excuse me, Martha's making the meal. Mary's sitting at Jesus' feet eating the spiritual meal. Where is Lazarus? I'm going to extrapolate for you. He's like every other man at the table, kicked back, letting the women do all the work for the big meal. And what has changed in the last 2,000 years? Yes or no? 
Well, the Bible doesn't say that. I get it, but he was there because he lives in this house. And Jesus isn't saying anything about him. I had a little fun with this message, and I hope you don't mind that I did this week. I try to be very serious when I teach. I think this is a serious subject. But I also think that the Lord has a sense of humor, and I think we all can find ourselves in places where we want a perfect family and we don't have a perfect family. And then how do you get that to line up with the Word of God? And I think if you just look, you can see it's there. So I wrote in my notes, and I'll finish this up this way. Um, our leech tradition at Thanksgiving is we don't eat until everyone is there. doesn't matter how late someone is. If they're invited, we will wait because not until everyone's there is the meal ready to be served. Anyone we know without family is allowed, invited, and wanted to join us. We had some this year. We always share and go around the table and tell people what we are grateful for. We don't do it on the spot. We try to prepare our guests by telling them one of our family traditions is we go around and we share what we're grateful for. If you put someone on the spot without them thinking about it, they just say silly things. I'm grateful for the haircut that I got today. I'm glad. That's good for you. But what are you really grateful for? Your health? Has God done anything in your life? Kitty said something that gratitude and fear... They can't both take up residence. Now, now, the truth of the matter is both can exist in your head at the same time, but one is controlling. Does that make sense? One is controlling. Gratitude, listen, I teach my staff this. Don't wait for something to happen for you to be grateful. Gratitude is a choice. If you wait till you feel grateful, you never feel grateful. You make the choice to feel grateful. I also thought that I'd share we have baked turkey, Cajun fried turkey, and smoked turkey. (laughs) It was a hard Thanksgiving for Chris and I this year. Since we've had children and grandchildren, they've always been at our house. I mean, there's always been the switch off with other in-laws, but we always manage to get people together. And this time, Amy and Ryan have COVID and are sick at home right now. Couldn't come. Daniel and David now live in Florida with their families, and that's where they had Thanksgiving. Kate and Jay's, it was their year to be with JJ's mom and dad, which is only fair, even though it hurt me so bad, JJ. Our oldest granddaughter, Isabel, 17, she came over with her boyfriend for a little while, and that was wonderful. And as I said, my mom stopped by. We begged JJ and Kate, please, please bring the kids by for at least 15 minutes so we can just, we just need a little fix. So they brought them back right at, right at the end of the day. But it was just a hard Thanksgiving because it wasn't the normal. A good Thanksgiving for me is that after three hours, I can't wait for everybody to leave. I'm like, oh, I just... It's been awesome. How do you know? Because I need them to go home now, man. And I just was like, uh, I hope our future Thanksgivings won't be that way. But and there's some tough stuff going on in our family right now, too, with some of our children. Really difficult that I'm not going to divulge. Just made it hard. 
And um, we had to choose to be thankful. And when you choose to be thankful, you really do have many, many reasons to be thankful to the Lord. Many, many reasons. I told our staff last night, one of the things that I am thankful for is a church that's excited about Jesus. I don't know how I'd be able to pastor a church that was just, I could take him or I could leave him. I know not everybody in the room is at the same place. I know that. But I think that a lot of you really are excited about Jesus, and that makes me excited about Jesus. And I'm grateful for that. I'm so grateful for that. Um, I got two last things that I need to do. My message is over. I, we're going to take communion together. Um, just a second, though, Pastor Jake. I got two things I need to do. Um, I'm going to pass on this one, and I'm going to do this one. Um, some friends of ours in the church, Kevin and Denise Hawkins, they've, uh, they've been here quite some time. They're personal friends. Uh, Kevin is on the board. Um, he is an excellent teacher, and an anointing that the Lord has given him is on financial stewardship. And he learned a lot of it from Andrew Womack's ministry, which is just down in Colorado Springs area. And um, I, I love listening to I've learned so much listening to Andrew Womack. And um, so this interesting thing happens. Kevin teaches this class on financial stewardship and a group of people in our church take it. And one of them was my mom. And I didn't know my mom was taking the class. And after the class gets over, I get handed all of these surveys. Well, these surveys are like, this is the greatest thing that's ever been taught on finances in our church. And I had a problem with that. Because I teach on finances in the church. How could this be greater? Um, and so, and one was my mom. Like, son, you need to listen to this guy. That's a nice way to say He's got something to say that you need to hear. So I listen, and it is so good that Kevin and I got together, and I um, approved him opening this up to everybody in our church. Now, when I say that, the class is limited to 30 people. It starts January 23rd. We've got to get through the holidays. Listen to the commitment. It's 10 weeks and let me tell you what this is. We've done Dave Ramsey's class here on financial peace. And that's a great class, but really I would describe it this way. Dave Ramsey just teaches, um, here are the lines. Stay within the lines and you'll do okay. What Womack teaches and what Kevin uh, does in his class is like um, financial peace on steroids, to be honest with you. So I'm going to make a statement and I'm going to see if you agree with me. God wants you to prosper. Are you afraid of that? And why are you afraid of that? I'll tell you why. Because so many preachers have messed that message up and made it about money. But here's what the scripture says. May you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. You should prosper spiritually and you should prosper physically, including in your finances. I didn't say you'll be rich. I didn't say you'll have a jet. 
but you should be able to take care of needs, not only yours, but to be able to help other people who have needs, yes or no. That's the most balanced teaching there ever is. So Kevin went one step further. He bought 500 of these books that he's going to be teaching from, and he wants to give you a chance to take a look at it. Out at the Welcome Center, they're available for free. I asked Saturday night people, please do not go out there and load your arms up and take them away. What we're thinking is one per family, um, which we just figured three people in a family, so it should cover 1,500 people. If you know someone who doesn't go to Jubilee but would benefit from this, of course I want you to take it. Kevin himself is going to be out there answering questions. The way that you would sign up for the class, if you're interested, you want to pray about it, or if you know, uh, then what you would do, um, go to jfc.org classes, and it will connect you directly to Kevin. Kevin's going to handle all of the uh, sign-ups for this. Now, he did say this. If the 30 fill up right away, Kevin uh, said he would do another class of 30 people. So he's willing to teach it twice a week, and he's volunteering to do this. This is somebody who totally, here's why I'm doing this. I've watched him live this in his life. I've watched him do this. I know what the guy does for Jubilee, but not just for Jubilee. I know what he does with ministries in many different places. And if you cast your head down right now like, shut up, pastor. You are missing something, and I'm trying to tell you something right now and help you. I'm trying to help you. I'm not trying to hurt you. I'm trying to help you. Take a moment. Go pick this up. Look through it. Ask a few questions. At least be willing to pray about it and see what God says. I think it might be the most significant thing you do for 2024, and it might be the thing that helps set free what God wants to do in your life. Christians should not constantly be in debt. They should not constantly be in a place of want. I recognize there are times and seasons, places, blah, blah, blah. But the word of God says, may you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. That's scripture. Amen? Amen. 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 All right.